to Overcoming Financial Stress with the Saver and the Spender. I'm your host and the spender, Michael Dickey. At Fiscal Fitness Phoenix, we are the worldwide leaders in reducing financial stress. And our mission is that everyone, from the person that is overwhelmed with their finances and in debt up to their eyeballs, to the person that makes good money, has amazing goals, and wants to achieve financial independence, finally to the person that feels a calling to help others by becoming a financial coach, learn how to take the stress out of money. All right, everyone. Welcome to the episode. I'm excited about this episode because we have uh, uh, a friend of ours and uh, another financial coach who's had an amazing journey just personally and professionally. Uh, and she's going to talk about um, just kind of her, her personal journey and how she helps people and um, what it's like to be Canadian. Um, but no, that's not really what she's going to be talking about. But um, so let me introduce her before we get going, because she's just an awesome person. I think you're going to gain a lot of her. But uh, so Mandy Thomas is an online financial coach based in Saskatchewan, Canada. She helps people who make good money but don't know where it goes create a plan to help more of, to help keep more of it. In her coaching processes, she guides her clients to gain clarity with their, their finances, make progress on achieving their goals, and end their anxiety around money. Mandy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Great. So, uh, you know, we've, we've known each other for, I don't know, at least probably not quite two years, I'm sure by now. We've talked a lot, but I, I've always just been um, impressed uh, with your overall story of where you started just personally. So why don't you just start and kind of tell us where you started, because um, your background is completely different from, from finances, um, but you've gained a lot of perspective over the years in, in things. So why don't you just kind of start and uh, tell us where you started? Sure. So growing up, our family, we didn't have a lot. We had what we needed, but there wasn't, you know, a lot of extras. And anytime I needed anything growing up for school, for anything like that, it was always a lot of stress asking for money because I knew my parents didn't have it and it was really uncomfortable. And looking back now to my childhood, I didn't know then because I didn't know what anxiety was, but I had a lot of anxiety around money. And so I knew I had to be the person in charge of my financial situation growing up. So from a very young age, I was fascinated by money and really just started to study it and learn whatever I had. I had to manage it really, really well. So I started my first business when I was 11. And then I started a second one when I was 14 and I was doing really, really well at managing my money. I decided to go to school for power engineering because I thought, you know, I want a career where I can make really good money. And I really did love it. But when I was away at school, it was really interesting, or sorry, when I was working, was I was making the most money I ever had. I was making a six-figure income, and I had zero debt. I was managing it really well. I was saving really well. But it was so fascinating that at that point in my life, when a lot of people say, you know, I'll just make more money, everything will be better, for me... I had the most anxiety around money that I had ever had in my life. And it was this fear of potentially losing it and going back to how we lived when we were kids. And it was just such a constant, I was constantly living in a scarcity mindset, even though my reality was completely different. The two couldn't have been more different from each other. And I was really, really scared to open up about it. And just to tell people that this is how I felt because I was scared of how people would perceive me and what their reaction would be saying, we wished we had your problems. Like there's actually no real problem here. Just get over it. Because for me, it was a true fear. I was really deathly afraid. And what happened to me was my health started to deteriorate really, really badly because my stress was just 
absolutely through the roof. And my anxiety for me would lead to binge eating. That was my kind of coping mechanism, I guess. So then of course my body started to change and I didn't feel very confident. And then also the high stress, it led to brain fog. And that was a a big mission that I was on was to really to heal my body because I thought it was not connected to my finances at all. At that point, I didn't have that awareness. I, uh, I'm a very left-sided brain thinker. So I thought that my mindset was completely separate from my body and what was going on. And I went on this long journey to fix my body. And that's when I realized that what was actually going on for me personally was my mindset around money. I really needed to work on changing that. And once I put a lot of work in there, I was able to, all of a sudden I overcame my anxiety. I overcame my binge eating. And those were things I didn't know if I would ever overcome, especially the binge eating. It was I felt so out of control and I was a person who felt like I should have known better. So there was a lot of shame and there was a lot of guilt. So for me personally, how my financial, how I perceived my financial situation was very different from reality, but it affected my personally, my mental health and my physical health in such a huge way. It affected my digestive system, the brain health. That was one thing that was really the turning point for me where I realized I had to get control of whatever was going on was because as an engineer, all of a sudden things that were easy to me were not easy. I was 24 years old and tasks that I normally knew how to do. I suddenly was writing down and I had two notebooks. I had one in each side of my pockets for my coveralls and I started writing everything down. So when I had to go out and do it, it was easier because the recall just wasn't there. And I was just so deathly afraid of someone finding out that all of a sudden I wasn't as good as my job as I used to be. And that is a terrible feeling when all of a sudden you're, you feel like your intelligence is being taken away from you. And just through my journey of being able to completely restore my brain health, get my, my mind and my body back and to just feel like myself again and to not feel, you know, like someone who was 24 years old, but felt like I was in a 50 year old's body. I realized if this is what the experience that I went through from my perceived financial situation, what is it that the people are going through who are actually struggling with their finances, who actually have debt, who are living paycheck to paycheck? And I left my job as a power engineer. I went back to school to study holistic nutrition. I thought I wanted to help people with nutrition because that's, I thought that that was my next step. And going to school, I realized the connection of the mind and body. And I realized, oh my gosh, like we learned about how your stress in your life affects your mental health and your physical health. And that's when it really tied everything together for me about my own journey. And I went, okay, I don't want to help people with nutrition. I want to help people with the, the real stress that's going on in their life, but actually how can we improve on this? So instead of just saying stress less, like how can I actually help people with what's stressing them out the most? And that was their finances. So that kind of led me to realizing I wanted to be a financial coach. And at that time, I didn't know anyone who was doing it. I felt like I made it up. I know Kelsa says that too. And I felt like the exact same way. And that's basically what led me to becoming a financial coach. That's so amazing. And it brings up such a good point about how closely everything is tied in, um, mental health and physical health. And then your, your 
your money situation and your mindset around money. And that's something that people, like you said, money is almost the last taboo topic nowadays because you can talk to your doctor about your physical health and your mental health, right? But who do you go to talk to when you're stressed about money? And it's so hard for, for people to to open up about that. It's not, it's not something you talk up to your close friends or your family about because there's so much shame uh, around money. But you can, you can always talk to your friends about uh, – you know, you, I want to lose some weight or I, I want to get some better nutrition or can you help me with that or, or your doctor, but you can't talk about that, talk with that about money and, um, why, uh, financial coaching is so important because that's the, the first line of defense against, uh, that, th- those situations, right? I completely agree with you. So now you've, you, you, started your own financial coaching business. And like you said, it's not, um, I think just this past year has really boomed with how many people are actually understanding that financial coaching is a a career and a rewarding career or just some, a way to help people, um, and potentially make some money doing it. But when you started, what, what kind of things did you have to figure out on your own? So basically I had to figure out everything. I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm. And marketing was a huge one for me, um, as well as like, how was I actually going to coach people? So when I began, I didn't know who I wanted to coach. I just wanted to help every single person with their finances, as most people who begin financial coaching do. And for me, it was really a, a struggle getting my name out there. It was learning how to talk to people about what I actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, the marketing was definitely the hardest aspect for me. But then at the same time, it was also, I didn't have anyone that I knew who was doing this. So I didn't know what was the kind of the best way to coach people. I just started seeing what people needed help with. People said credit cards. So I spoke a lot about credit card debt. Um, I speak very differently now. I very rarely talk about credit card debt, even though I absolutely help people with that. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just didn't even know exactly what I needed to be doing. I wasted a ton of time and money when I was first beginning because I did have mentors, but I didn't know anyone in this exact same space. So I had mentors that were in the health and fitness field, but financial coaching is very different building a financial coaching business versus building a health coaching business. Yeah. So I took what I could from there and I started building it. And my life completely changed when I was listening to a podcast one day where Angie Lee and Kelsa were talking and I went, wow, this woman sounds like she does exactly what I do, except she's been doing it for longer. So I listened to it on my drive home, got home, started Googling and stalking Kelsa and went, (laughs) oh my God, this is, I have to get a hold of this woman. And that's when I found you guys, which was a huge blessing to me. Well, that's great. I'm so glad to hear that. We'll talk about kind of your uh, transition into, um, I guess, what I wouldn't call it, more effective coaching practices in a little bit. But I want to know, when you first started out, how, how did you really narrow down your ideal client? So I started doing a lot of the ideal client exercises. But when I first started, I was doing who I thought would pay me to work with them Mm. versus who actually lit me up, who made me excited to coach. And so those are two very different people. My ideal client now, if you look at is very different than my ideal client when I first started. And it was also, I think for everyone, it's a little bit of trial and error at first too, in maybe having a couple clients 
that aren't exactly your ideal client, but not knowing that until you've coached with them. And so that definitely shaped it too for making me realize, okay, this person wasn't exactly who I wanted to coach as much. So that means it's my responsibility to be more intentional in the content I put out in how I tell people who it is that I help and how I help them. And so it's kind of just been morphing. And then also as I've grown as a person in the past um, 18 months of financial coaching, it's also been who I feel just when I wake up in the morning, who I feel so excited to work with. Mm -hmm. And so that person's also been evolving as I've been evolving as well too. Definitely. And that is so true that I think people need to understand that, especially when they're, they're uh, our financial coaches, that your ideal client will evolve with you. I remember when Kelsa started, she really wanted to help um, single mothers because that's how she grew up with a single mother. And now um, it's, it's morphed into people that are more in line with our values and her values. And uh, it's, it definitely changes. Who Can you talk to, um, like, let's really dive deeper into your original ideal client, kind of a little bit of demographics and, and some financial stuff, and then, then not currently who you figured out really excites you. Sure. So originally my ideal client was someone who was really struggling financially, someone who had a lot of stress. I still do work with people who have a lot of stress around their finances, but this person was really stressed because they didn't have enough income coming in. They had a lot of debt. And what I found was a lot of those times I was attracting people who didn't really want to put as much effort into, like I wanted their finances to improve more than they did. And that made me actually, to be honest, a little bit resentful because I know I can't show up for you in the same way if I want it more than you and you have to absolutely want it. You know, I have the tools and I hold you accountable and give you the support and really walk you through that journey. But it has to, it takes both of us. It can't just take me doing all of the work. And that's just what I found was the way I had set myself up at the beginning, that was really, it was who I was attracting. That's why I was getting that person was because I was really speaking to just paying off credit card debt. I wasn't talking about, you know, my values. I wasn't talking about bigger picture thinking in the future. I was really talking to people who were just looking at what's going on right now, but they weren't projecting into the future about, you know what, when I overcome this, I'm able to do these things with my finances. I was really I was personally really looking at the the small picture and I wasn't going deep enough and that was my fault. But at first I, I just didn't know how to. And I think we all kind of have that, that journey that we do go on. And the person that I now work with is someone who makes me really, really excited to, to coach them. And it's someone who isn't struggling with income, but is struggling to know where is my money actually going? They do, they make good money, but they don't know where is it going? They're not exactly sure how to be managing it more effectively to pay off their debt faster, to be able to get ahead financially. So a lot of times we're looking at what is it you really want to do? Like, what are the things in your life? What are the values that you have and the things that you want to do? A lot of times we have dreams in our life, these things we want to do. And then you know, one day we convince ourselves that we're comfortable and, you know, we don't actually need to do those things anymore. And I really, I work with people and inspire them to, to really think bigger about themselves and to hold that space for them to feel like those things that they want to do, they absolutely can do. And how, when you manage your finances really well, 
because that's what's really holding a lot of people back is, you know, I can't do this because I can't afford to. And so it's seeing what is it you want to do and how can we make that happen? Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know what? We've been saying this for a long time, but financial coaching is really uh, like a personal trainer for your money, right? And so if you think about it, that same analogy that a personal trainer isn't supposed to just help someone lose five pounds quickly, right? That's not the goal of a personal trainer and they wouldn't want to work with somebody that uh, a client that does that. So the same thing with financial coaches is that you have to think big picture. Let's think about their overall health. What are their overall goals? If they don't have goals beyond losing five pounds to fit an address in three weeks, then we need to really talk about you know, bigger picture, health goals, long-term goals, how to maintain. Uh, so it's, it's, I think that's just overall a great analogy for people that don't really know what a financial coach does. Or uh, if you are a, a trying to become a financial coach, that big picture, you have to think uh, in a mindset of that's how you have to help your clients. Absolutely. And I think when you th- realize that yourself when you think of that, it makes it so much easier to convey it to other people. And I know that's one of the things too, is learning how to, because, because this field is still so new, we have to do a really good job of educating people of what we actually do. So I know a lot of people, that's why I love using the personal trainer analogy, because as soon as you say financial coach, I think a lot of times it just comes up in people's minds as financial advisor. So I always explain how what I do is very, very different than a financial advisor, because I know even um, a good reminder for me, I had went to a networking event and it was about 30 minutes in that I realized someone still thought that I sold investments and insurances. And I went, Mm. okay, this is a good reminder that I need to keep saying that we're a personal trainer for your finances. So people right away can make that switch away from that we, you know, we're a financial advisor and that we help them in that way. And I say, you know, I help a lot of people before they're able to work with a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole uh, misunderstanding about what, uh, you know, not being a financial advisor is a big mindset block for a lot of people. And it puts people off a lot. You know, you say financial coach and they immediately think they're gonna, you're going to sell them insurance or investments or something, and then they just completely shut off or, or tune you out. And it's a, big, it's a big problem, unfortunately, that you have to figure out strategies right away of how to convey that you are not a financial advisor. You're not going to sell them something. So it's, it's, it's hard, but like you said, it takes a little bit of practice to actually figure that wording out. And we've always had to say, like, you know, I'm a financial coach, so I uh, don't sell anything. I don't sell investments. I don't do insurance products, that kind of stuff. We just are basically personal trainers for your money. And that's like our 10 second pitch. And you can obviously go on further than that. Let's, um, Let's. I want to talk because you're uh, have a fairly large uh, international clientele. I want to talk about differences that you see in. Um, for, let's let's first start with coaching Canadians. Is there a different personal financial climate within Canada compared to say the United States? Because we do have quite a few Canadian listeners. Um, do you what what kind of differences do you see in the financial personal financial climate in Canada right now? So there's definitely a lot of similarities. The biggest thing is more so depending on the economy, seeing how that's changing things. Like I know the economy is different here than it is in the States. So seeing sometimes like the government that's in, that definitely affects different things, how people are taxed, um, a lot of things like that. So that's something that we're kind of going through right now is the 
our government that's in, it's affecting, um, for what I'm seeing is it's affecting housing right now. So I know a lot of people who are wanting to buy a home, it's a lot more difficult right now to get a home. But then also at the same time, because it's difficult to purchase a home now, it's also difficult for sellers to sell a home. And of course it's depending on which areas that you're living in, of course. One of the other big things that I do notice from clients from Canada and the States, I definitely notice there's a lot more student loan debt in the States and it's a lot higher. And it, it makes sense because I know schooling up here is definitely a lot more affordable than what it is in the States. There's, of course, schools up here that are also that cost a lot more, but that's a really, really big difference. I notice is clients from the States that have a lot more student debt than what clients in Canada have. And that's a lot of the stuff is very, very similar, but those are kind of the biggest ones right now. Mm. And so in general, it's, uh, you know, the top three problems that, uh, that you see are, are still debt. Um, what, what else? What other well, debt is, a, debt is a very big one. Um, what I find, because I do work with a lot of women, it's on the mindset side of them being really afraid to increase their income, them being afraid to ask for a raise. That's something I always ask my clients is, you know, when was the last time that you got a raise? Hmm. So another thing, like just people increasing their income. Another thing that I'll talk to people about is, you know, maybe starting a side hustle and just talking through that process. So there's, you know, increasing the income, Debt is always a big one. I see a lot of credit card debt personally up here versus um, with clients in the States. It's more the student loan, but also the the credit cards as well. And the third one, mostly just even around just the mindset of people thinking that if they just earn more money, that that's what will solve their problem. You know, all of a sudden they won't be struggling financially, but it's reminding people it's it's not as much Yes, you need to be earning income, of course, but it's really in how you manage it and how much money you actually keep and explaining to people, it is great if you make more money, but is what's going to end up happening? Are you just going to end up spending that, spending more money? Or are you going to end up adding on more liabilities? So really, that's a, a big mindset that I always see that needs to be tackled is really, really talking through that. And that, that of course, comes back to the conversation of, what do you really value the most and walking people through that? And I love that exercise doing that, asking, you know, our clients, what are the three things you value most and walking them through that and seeing, does your spending align with that? Hmm. Great point. Do you, this is just kind of a random, random question, but is in the United States right now, you know, college is, uh, is getting more and more expensive every year. It's getting more and more expensive, but there's, there's this, mindset that people you have to go to college you have to go to college get your education go you know and and the trades have kind of gone to the wayside and i think the next kind of switch is that fewer people are going to be going to college because they can go to a trade school or do an apprenticeship and make really good money go to school for uh, a year or two maximum and make just as much money and have less debt than if you were to actually go to college is is our trade schools what are the, what's the climate with trade schools in Canada right now? Do you know? 
I love this question. And it's interesting you bringing this up because the way you described it in Canada, trade schools are very, very big. And they have been mm-hmm. for, I'm going to actually say about the last 10 years, mm-hmm. people are noticing that you can go to school for one or two years. We have some really good schools up here that do some trades. And the other thing is the people who are coming out of these trades, there is a higher chance of them getting hired right away versus yeah. people who come out of university and do a four-year program who have more in debt. And I am a huge advocate of trades. Trades, I think, are amazing. And there's just so much opportunity for actually getting work. And I think it's a really smart decision financially as well, because there's a lot of trades that pay really, really well. But if you compare what you paid for your education, you're doing really well because you did half the time or even less. And a lot of times that schooling is even more reasonable. But then also when you go to school for a trade, you come up with actual like hands-on skills versus still needing to, of course, when you go to any job, you still need to be trained, but it's almost like you're learning more stuff that has to do directly with what you're actually going to be doing for your everyday life, for your career. Uh, There's nothing against university at all. I am absolutely not saying that. I'm just saying that the trades are more hands-on. They are more accessible to people with who maybe wouldn't be able to get an education at all if university was the only option taking a trade. Now they have an education and it costs them a lot less. So I'm a huge advocate of them and they're really, really big up here in Canada. That's great. That's huge. And I I think that's the climate that we're, we're heading towards here too, because it's just, it's only going to get worse. I think with how uh, expensive college is going to be, but you know, even the next step is that, you know, we think of trades and that's what plumbing and carpentry and electrician and, and that kind of stuff. But even now there are programs where you can do it kind of stuff and programming and coding and in eight to 12 months, you, you, you basically got a computer science degree, but it's just in coding and you have a full uh, portfolio of stuff you've created. That's it that's going to get you a job right away. So I think that's, that's exciting. And for people to kind of take note, especially if uh, you have a a child that's in in high school and moving on to college, or they don't really know what they want to do, they don't want to go to school, or it's just not an option for whatever reason that trades are just uh, a great place to, to go into. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And the trade schools we have up here, a lot of them, they have so many courses to choose from. I know they have like a hundred different courses at the one that is um, in the city closest to us. And there's a lot of things that you can do that you come up with a university education that you can actually find in the trade school for two years. There's a lot of engineering programs there. So there's a lot of things that even, you know, when you first think of trades and you think of, um, you know, men's work, because I personally, when I took power engineering, that is a trade. So I went to school for that. I was the, um, I guess there was two girls in my class each year that did it. And when I started my job, I was the only woman who has ever done my job, uh, for the company that I've worked for. And so also just thinking outside of the box that when you think of the word trades, don't just think that it's just for men. Women can absolutely do them too. And that's a big thing up here. Now I see a lot more women also going into trades and I'm a, I'm a huge supporter of that. Yes, absolutely. Yep. I think that's the, that's the next change um, is going to be trades and more women getting into the trades. Cause that's, it's just such a good, good opportunity. And it's, it's, unfortunately it's a barrier that I think people, men and women have to get over. Uh, but it's going to happen with, with just how the, the climate is. So that that's, it's exciting. Yeah, there's a huge change and I'm really excited to be a part of it and to see that that change is happening right now. 
Mm -hmm. Do you see any differences with your other international clients about what their big problems are? Are they still pretty similar to kind of what we talked about between Canada and the U.S.? What I see from my other international clients, it's very, very similar. It's still with debt. It's still with just learning how to manage the money that they have, learning, you know, financial literacy. It's I haven't noticed anything different from hmm. my other clients, even though, you know, a lot of them have a completely different currency that they use. It really, it's so interesting. I thought that I wouldn't be able to coach clients outside of Canada and the States because I thought it would be too different. It was a mindset block I definitely had. And then when the challenge came up to, to learn. And, you know, I had clients approach me that were international and seeing that what I teach them is the exact same, because of course I don't do investments, but I'm teaching them the exact same principles. They still have to learn how to budget. They still have to learn, you know, we talk through their habits and their, their actions around money and making sure that that lines up with what they really want in their life. And so that was really, really cool to me to see that I can coach clients from completely different countries and get them the same results that they're wanting to have. That's great. What about um, medical bills uh, in the U.S. and the other countries in Canada specifically? Because with our healthcare system, it's you know people have really really high medical bills, and I would assume with uh, more universal healthcare, that's not as much of an issue. Have you seen that at all? So. It is very, very different from Canada to the States for healthcare. We have really amazing healthcare up here. That is something that I will never take for granted. Mm-hmm. I come from a family with a very, um, a very strong genetic heart condition. So I um, have spent a lot of Christmases in the hospital. So I'm very, very thankful that is something that we have. And that is a huge difference that I do see is it's not something we have to dive into up here with my coaching clients because for the most part people are covered or the insurance that they pay is almost nothing compared to what you pay in the States. It's Hmm. when I'm working with us clients, that's something that we have to dive into more, but that is, that is something that I see very differently is people are paying way, way more a month for their healthcare who live in the States versus my Canadian clients. And then also the other, my international clients as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I think hopefully that's going to change around here one way or the other. But uh, we, I know that we see a lot of medical debt and medical bills that, that pile up. And it's, you know, a one-time illness is costing people five, ten, fifteen, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, which is crazy. And that just is such a big, you know, uh, hurdle to get over for people just because it's another debt that, um, you know, legally you have to take care of. Right. So it's crazy up here. Yeah. And I, I really, I definitely have my own personal feelings towards it, but that's why Mm -hmm. when I talk with people that don't have any insurance, I really want, especially those people, I really want them to learn how to manage their money really well. So they have that insurance because I've just seen what happens when people don't have insurance. And I know what our family's been through with um, my mom going in for, my mom had had over 20 heart surgeries. My little brother's had over eight heart surgeries. Oh my gosh. So I just see what, how everything can change in just a minute. And it's taking such a huge chance. So that's something that's very, very personal to me is really helping people to try and make sure that they're covered. Cause it just, it scares me so much when people tell me that they don't have coverage. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's absolutely scary. And, and the, the bad part about uh, the United States healthcare, even just the minimum, you're still have 
you know, ten, fifteen thousand dollar deductible, which you're responsible for before you even your insurance even kicks in. So, and that's just the minimum catastrophic. So it's it's really scary, and that's one of the things that we really have to uh, help people, uh, you know, coach them through is that we all, you you think you have insurance and health insurance, and you do, but you're responsible for a lot more than you probably assume that you do with your deductibles and your copays that that we have that they're so higher. So that's one, one tip for people is that make sure that you have a savings account that you're, you're putting money to so that it can at least help with your deductible or pay off your deductible once you have that large medical expense. I think that that is such a great tip because people think of a lot of the other things to save for. And I think a lot of times that medical is the last thing on their mind to be thinking about saving for, you know, on a monthly basis. Yeah. Do you watch, uh, have you ever watched Parks and Recreation? I've only show? watched it just a few times. Okay. Well, there's, I was just watching an episode last night and, um, and they, Andy and April, who are the, the younger people, they're, uh, pretty goofy and they don't really understand life yet, but they, uh, all of a sudden get health insurance. So they're like, well, we're finally going to go get everything taken care of. And so April has her wisdom teeth pulled out, you know, and taking all that kind of stuff and they're checking out. They're like, okay, that'll be $500. And like, um, I don't think you understand. We have insurance that's going to be free. And they're like, you know, so they just have to talk them through that. And I think that's very, very common with people um, that they just, they think that health insurance is going to cover it and they, they don't understand the process. So make sure that you understand how your health insurance works and what you're responsible for out of pocket first. Definitely. So we, we talked about your journey to becoming a financial coach and we kind of alluded to that you are, uh, have been through our financial coach Academy. I'd like you to, to talk about some of the, 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 the mistakes that you made first starting out on your own when you kind of didn't have anybody else to, to officially mentor you through the financial coaching process. And then the biggest takeaways that you learned from financial coach Academy that really made some huge differences that maybe people that are starting to be a financial coach that they can, they can use right away. Absolutely. So when I was first beginning, I didn't really know how to market myself at all. I started on social media is where I started with Facebook and mostly Instagram and just started sharing, you know, my personal story on there, started sharing a lot of educational tips, which was great. And that's how I have built up most of my clientele is from social media. But I didn't even think that, you know, I needed to go out and do networking groups. And it, it did cross my mind, but there was that fear of just not knowing exactly what to say. And it's a lot easier to sit at home behind your computer than it is to actually get out in front of people. And that's a big thing that I learned from the Academy is just really the things that scare you are what you really need to do and to take big, messy action. And that was one of the things that I just loved about the Academy was really just pushing us out of our comfort zones. The challenges that I had when I first started my business was the marketing side. And I think that that's what everyone struggles with when they first begin their business. But if you don't have anyone to mentor you, if you haven't taken any courses, you don't know, you know exactly what you want to do, which is the financial coaching aspect. When it comes to all the other things of actually building a business, because there's, you wear so many hats for quite a while in your business, there's what your zone of genius is, the coaching, but your strengths are not in the marketing. And if you actually want to do this as a business, you won't have a business unless you actually learn how to market yourself effectively and how to talk to people about your services, how to tell people exactly who you work with, because 
you think in your mind when you say, I want to help everyone, that that means everyone will come flooding through the doors. And then you'll quickly realize that that is not the case at all, that you do need to decide, okay, within the financial coaching space, who do you want to help specifically and really narrowing down and also how is it you're going to help them? What is it you're going to help them with? What are the the benefits that are, they are going to get from that? So when you're talking to someone, you can explain that really well. So they go, wow, yeah, that's absolutely me. And that pulls them in versus being really, really general. Cause if you're just really general in your speaking, you might be inspiring. People might say that's really inspiring, but then they don't make any changes and you're not able to take them through a transformation because they haven't been drawn in that you are the person that can help them. I know Mm -hmm. one of the really amazing exercises that has helped me a lot. And a lot of the other coaches through the Academy is the super problems. And that's figuring out specifically, what is it you actually help them with? Cause I know that's another thing. If you would ask me that in the very beginning of my business, I probably would have been a little bit dumbfounded at first because I would have been like, well, I just, I helped them with everything. I helped just change their finances. And it's like, but how do you help them? Because you need to be able to speak in a way that people, it resonates with them. And the Academy, it offered a lot of, it basically just bypasses a lot of the struggles and a lot of the mistakes that you'll make when you go through there. Because for me, another problem I was having was figuring out how to set up my coaching in a way that was most effective for the clients, what types of things to take them through for my specific clients and going through, I completely revamped my entire business after I took the Academy. Uh, I would have saved a lot of time and energy if I would have just taken that at the beginning of my journey, but it was, I I didn't know about the Academy at that time. And you know, so it wasn't meant for me to begin it right then. But for me, I wouldn't have had to have recreated absolutely everything I made. And so that was really, really helpful to me was, okay, now I also felt confident because before I was like, well, yes, I'm getting people results, but I didn't have, I didn't have as much confidence knowing that this system that I had really, truly worked and how I was specifically delivering it. So when you have someone who can tell you, these are all the things that I tried and these are the reasons why. I don't recommend them. Having that why behind why something didn't work is really, really powerful. Kelsa going through and saying, these are all the things that I tried and these are the reasons that I didn't work. And this is what works really, really well. This is what gets results. And this is what, you know, feels really good to me. This feels really good to them. You can just bypass a lot of steps. And honestly, it's, it's years that it would have taken you to have learned that. And the other thing is, Anytime that you start to get frustrated, you might want to give up in your business. You might just go, this just isn't for me. I don't know what's working. So by being able to bypass a lot of that frustration, it makes it so what you went in to do is a lot more meaningful and fulfilling a lot quicker instead of you feeling like you're struggling. Like think of yourself going through your financial coaching journey and not having a mentor. Think about it the exact same way as your clients. Your clients have struggles with their finances And you have been through things personally, you've been through experiences, you have knowledge that can literally take and shorten their journey by five years. It can help them pay off their credit cards years in advance. It can help them finally start to put money into retirement to end living paycheck to paycheck. You know, they've been doing that for 15 years. You can completely change that with coaching them. It's the exact same analogy. Look at it the same way with your financial coaching business. You can go through a whole lot of struggles, which I definitely did. And 
The other thing was I did take a lot of group coaching programs. I took a lot of coaching prior, but when I was doing it, it was really hard for me to say what my true struggles were because the programs I was in, not a single other person was a financial coach. I was the only financial coach in them and none of them had ever been through financial coaching. A lot of those people hadn't Mm -hmm. overcame the struggles that they were having with their finances themselves. So surrounding yourself in a peer group that knows exactly what you're going through, that alone, that support is so helpful. You're, if you are married, your partner is supporting you through it, but they're not trying to build a financial coaching business. So they can be really supportive to you, but not know what to say to you to help you through the frustrations you're feeling. So that's a really huge thing is having a group of people who are building their businesses with you too, is just having their support. I know a lot of times when you're building stuff, having feedback from someone else, it just saves your brain so much mental energy. It takes a lot of time in building a business and creating content and in figuring everything out that your mental bandwidth, it really, if you can have someone help you to get all the systems in place and all the things you don't even know that you're going to be needing soon to help you get those set up. So then you can focus on what's most important, actually getting out of your house, having conversations with people, you know, educating people, what is a financial coach and how I can actually help you and getting people in the door. So you're, you're focusing more on what you really wanted to do anyways, is actually coach people like staying within your zone of genius because you took a program to learn exactly what it was. You, you know, you needed to learn, but then also 80% of it that you didn't even know you needed to learn and Mm. things that are going to be coming up along the way. So I'm, I'm a huge advocate of the Academy. I took the self-paced version and then I took the live version and I am so happy that I did that. It was, it has completely changed my business. There's definitely times I probably, if I didn't have the Academy, I probably would have given up because I would have just felt like it's just not working when I came Mm. up against an obstacle versus being able to talk to people to overcome that obstacle. And then to have that confidence, like, yes, I can do this. I can keep going. So that's why I'm a huge fan of coaching. And just think of it this way too. If if you want to be a coach and you are telling people how amazing your coaching is, why wouldn't you hire a coach to help you get your business up and going? It only makes sense. Exactly. You bring, you make the, so many good points in in what you were just talking about, but I think for the, it, it, every single uh, student that we've had in the Financial Coach Academy says pretty much the same things, and it's figuring out that financial coaching is an active business, not a passive one. So you can't expect to sit behind your computer and people are just going to come to you because you say you help them with money. Right. It's just not the way it works, unfortunately. And I think there are a lot of a lot of different reasons for that. But I think the biggest two, two of the biggest reasons is that one, people are ashamed to talk about their money. They maybe have some blinders on about that. So when if you do an ad or a Facebook post and, pe- and you say, I help people with budgeting, people don't know or t- don't look for help with budgeting. So that, that's part of it. So you need the people that have those problems, they need to hear uh, from someone they know, like, and trust eventually, which is going to be 
a, 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 your, as a financial coach, your referral partner. So who is in front of your ideal clients all the time? That's probably going to be a financial advisor or an accountant. And they're going to be in front of people that are stressed about money all the time. They can actually help. They actually want to do something about it. Not somebody that's on Facebook and sees an ad for financial coaching and they say, oh man, I definitely need that because I, I saw ad, an ad. You know what I mean? So there's, there's definitely a difference between active and passive marketing. And passive marketing, unfortunately, just doesn't work for financial coaching for a lot of different reasons. Uh, the second point that I think a lot of client, uh, of our students say as well is that whole messaging um, problem that they have, and you, you hit the nail on the head with the super problem exercise that we use, which is basically you, you need to speak to the problems that you solve, not to a specific avatar. And there are a lot of, you know, right now, the, the big marketing messaging exercise that uh, programs have you come up with is your ideal avatar, right? And so it's, it's a woman who is between the ages of 25 and 37, and she is single or recently divorced and et cetera, et cetera. And you can, you know, you, you can have an avatar of somebody, but how, what do you say to that person? Like you don't go out there and just be saying, Hey, I'm looking for any woman that's uh, 25 to 37 and blah, blah, blah. You, you, they need to realize that, that you help them solve their specific problems. So when you say, not that just I help with budgeting, but that I help uh, people um, that are stressed about money stop getting stressed through, et cetera. And you know, that they've, they've tried budgeting before, but it's never really worked for them. And I help create a system and a plan around a different style of budgeting. And so you come up with these problems and there's a specific exercise we use to help identify these specific, maybe top two to three problems so that you can build your marketing message around a problem that you solve and the solution that you solve, uh, that you provide rather than just a specific person, cause it doesn't work. Do you, would you agree with those statements? I 100% agree because how you explained what a lot of the other coachings and marketing tell you to do about creating, you know, your ideal client, getting very specific on that person. I had did those. I had probably did about five of those. And it was very different when I went through the academy and it was explaining, okay, let's go through the characteristics of what that person, you know, is going through. And it made it so much easier for me to explain who it was I actually helped instead of the, you know, she's between this age and this age, which was exactly what I was doing previously. And that made a really big difference for me. The other thing was, I never would have thought to have, because financial coaching is very different than other types of coaching out there. You need to look at what works for financial coaching because I was following a lot of other people who are successful in business and that's great that they're successful, but the type of business that they have is completely different than mine. So that's what I encourage you to do is make sure that you're looking up to people who have a business that is very similar to what you want to have because how they got there you know, if you're looking at someone else might not be what will work for you. And I learned that personally in my own journey and also going through the Academy, I would have never have had the courage to approach referral partners because I would have been, this is just my, myself. I would have been scared of what would I have said in my email, you know, asking to meet with someone, what would I have, I would have been too scared of like, well, what if I say something wrong in the meeting and just being able to talk it through kind of the fears I had before I went in and kind of having an actual idea of talking to people who have actually done this versus um, brainstorming it with people who've never had a conversation with a referral partner. They have never met with someone. They've never established a really successful relationship. So being able to talk with someone 
who has used that in their business to build their business made me feel confident to even have those meetings in the first place to even open those doors. Yeah, it is very scary. And, and this is, I think, true for it's hundred percent true for Kelsa and Jill and myself. And that when we start out, it's, there's definitely a lot of trial and error when you're talking to referral partners and, and our number one source of new clients are our referral partners or previous clients and, and not social media, not advertising, nothing like that is build, being able to build a relationship with somebody that is in front of your ideal clients all the time and that your, your ideal clients are in front of all the time. And that's just a simple exercise of, Think about who your ideal client is, what problems do you solve, and who are they working with? Is it, you know, some people, it's maybe like uh, they're in front of their naturopath all the time. We've gotten a couple referrals from naturopaths because they're, you know, such, they, they think about the holistic person. And if somebody comes in and says they're really stressed, well, what are you stressed about? Oh, it's my money. And they refer them to us. So it's, uh, you know, a financial advisor, like I said, and accountants or a realtor and who who is your ideal referral partner and just building a relationship. And it's, it's, it's so simple, it's complicated, is that you don't have to, like, go in with a plan of what to say and bullet points to hit. It's just, you know what, go have a conversation. Be yourself. Be a person first. Build a personal relationship first with that person. And then you just happen to talk about who you help and what problems you solve, and it'll just come up organically. And I think people have a fear about, like you exactly what you said, they have a fear of saying the wrong thing or not uh, telling them the right thing when with the way we, th- we think relationships are built with referral partners is that it's, it's not just one meeting. It's many meetings over time. It's many coffees. It's many lunches, as many phone calls, as many just stopping in to say hi. And, uh, you build that relationship and it's not something that you should expect to happen after one marketing meeting. It's that first marketing meeting is your foot in the door to talk with them more and build a relationship and learn to know what their kids' names are and what they like to do for fun first before you even, um, you know, uh, try to, I'm trying to think of the analogy of, you know, you, it's, it's, uh, you have to have a couple days before you, you, uh, get any further than, than, you know, a handshake at the end of the night. Right. So it's, uh, you, you have to build that relationship. I completely agree with that. And that's something that I've noticed. Just having that support makes you, so you even have the courage to even uh, meet that person for the first time and to feel like, you know what? I can actually communicate, like I'm a human, I can communicate, this is going to go good. But I think sometimes we just put that other person like on that pedestal and we literally just build the fear up so much in our head that we tell ourselves like how bad it's going to go and how embarrassed we're going to be and all of these things that literally are not going to happen. So just having that support group of people who, you know, have actually went and had those meetings and just encouraging you just gets you to even do it. So it's to me, I think of Will Smith when he he talks about when he went skydiving and how he was so afraid to do it. And then once you're out in the air that you realize that the point where you were the most afraid was right before you did it. But then as soon as you did it, it was complete state of bliss. So it's just that comparison of like the fear is all in your head, but it's a very, it's a very real fear, but having that group of people makes it so you have that courage to actually go and do that, which is what is going to ultimately build your business. Definitely. And that's why it's so important, whether you think about it as uh, you're a financial coach and it's your clients or you as a financial coach needing help building your business is that both situations, they need someone to hold them accountable, to push them outside their comfort zone, to get uncomfortable, to do some messy action and be okay with it. And, and it's, it takes, uh, 
more than yourself to really break new grounds and and tr- do something new and and scary. Absolutely. It's, it's the exact same thing. I know even in the Academy, I just think about how many people that are, um, just beginning their business that wouldn't have officially launched it, but because they had that group support, they're like, you know what, I'm just doing it. It's scary. I'm announcing it to my family and friends and on social media, but having that group, it it just puts you outside of your comfort zone because everything that we want that is, you know, amazing in life is not within our comfort zone. So just having people to help push you out and to remind you, you know, yeah, it might feel scary that's the exact reason why you need to do it is so powerful. Exactly. exactly. Now, really quickly, before we go, I want to talk, you, you had mentioned that you had done uh, the self-paced financial coach Academy and the live version. Can you talk about like the benefits of either one and, and who you think may be right for one versus the other, or just talk about the differences between in your experience. For sure. So I'll first say why I took the self-paced first was because When the self-paced came out, it was in April, and then the next live round was starting in September, and I knew I was not waiting until September to get this knowledge to help me change my business. So the second it came out, I woke up early that morning, and I purchased it, and I binged on it, and I started making the changes in my finances, and that was really good for me because I had already had... Uh, built my business about eight months worth at that point. And so for me, it was, I was, I had a lot of stuff already in place. I was able to change a lot of things. And at that time for me, I didn't need to be able to talk with other people about it. I just needed the information to make a whole bunch of changes. That's what I needed at first. But then once I got through and made those changes and changed my systems, changed a lot of stuff, then a lot of the questions started coming up. And that's when I went, you know what? I really want to do the self-paced or sorry, the live Academy, because then I can get real time feedback on things. And I knew that that would take me to the next level. But for me, I went, you know what, there's a bunch of stuff I can change in my business. So I'm going to go ahead and do the self-paced version. So I guess it depends at the time of year, if you are looking at it and it's not this, the lot you want to do the live round, but it's not starting for a while. That might be the option for you then. If you know that you absolutely need support from others, then go ahead and just go for the live round. Either it's not like either of them are wrong. And I've seen so many people that have done the same as me as they have done the self-paced version. And then they've also joined the live round because everything was just so valuable for you. But if you're like, you're maybe thinking that you're not exactly sure what you would want to do exactly with your financial coaching business. And maybe you don't want to make the step into doing it full time as soon. Maybe the self-paced version would be better for you. But if you're like, you know what? I absolutely know that financial coaching is for me and that this is what I want to do. Then go ahead and do the live round so you can get that support. And also those people to, to push you to do the things that are uncomfortable. Because of course, when you're doing the self-paced version, you can get a lot of knowledge. You can do a lot of the stuff, but there's nobody else there to tell you when you're scared and you're not doing the thing that you need to be doing. And that's, that's really so important. I know a lot of the things that I came up with when I went through the self-paced version, what I did was when I went through the live round, then I shared those marketing materials that I said, Hey, what is your guys's feedback? So I created them first. And then basically I just tuned them all up and optimized them and just made them speak more to my ideal client, make them more me and my branding. So both programs are absolutely amazing. I loved both of them. And it kind of just depends where you're at. If you're maybe just figuring out, maybe dabbling, or if you're like, this is absolutely for me, or maybe just kind of the time of time of year. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. I think, you know, the biggest difference I feel like, and I don't want to have this be like a big commercial for, for, for Financial Coach Academy, but I think that the the biggest difference is the content is the same. It's just the level of support and feedback and accountability and mentorship you get with the live that you just don't get with the self-paced. And that is such a big uh, bonus. I mean, you're, you're going to have your financial coaching practice pretty much done in 12 weeks with the, the live being completely supported with three uh Q and A's a week and and a bunch of other Facebook groups and that kind of stuff. But the self-paced is really at your own pace, but there's nothing to hold you accountable. Absolutely. You, you summed it up really, really great there. That's a hundred percent it. Good, good. All right. Well, let's, uh, I want to, I want to wrap up here pretty soon. This has been a great conversation and, and I appreciate you so much and brought a lot of great tips for people that are uh, in need of some financial help, but also people that are thinking about possibly becoming a financial coach. So I, I'd like you to give, uh, we didn't talk about this, but I'd like you to give uh, maybe the the top two things that um, tips that you would give to your clients if they just were you know needing help. Like what are the first the two easy things that they could do to make their financial situation better, and then two things that uh, a person that wants to become a financial coach what they should start to do. Sure. If they want to kind of get the ball on. Sure. So when it comes to people who are wanting to improve their finances, the first thing I get asked so much about is how do I reduce my cost of groceries and food? That's one of the que- the question that I get asked mm-hmm. the most. So what I would say to address there is to use cash. Like there's a lot of tips and tricks of how you can save money for groceries, but what actually makes the biggest difference to reduce it by hundreds of dollars a month is you having cash and seeing that cash go down in your wallet throughout the month. And you, that is the fastest change for whether you're going to add you know, nine extra items to your cart, things that all of a sudden just seem to get in there right before you pay. It makes it so easy for your brain to switch and go, I don't need this today because I'm seeing the cash go down. And I'm not joking that that is, if you just take that tip alone, you can make such a big difference in your finances. I had a couple that was working with me and they didn't even know that they had spent $900 in groceries and eating out costs the month previous before working with me and getting that down to $500 a month that $400 extra is what made it so they went from not living paycheck to paycheck. And that's not including all the other changes we made. That's just one simple change that made a $400 difference every single month for them. So that is really huge. If you do that, it can make such a big difference. And then also just to know it's going to be uncomfortable using cash at first, because you probably haven't used cash in like 15 years or ever. So be know that, yeah, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable at first, but you're going to see a significant change in your finances. And then the other one is not thinking about budgeting just as I'm going to write down my income minus my fixed expenses for the month, but really thinking about what are the random and recurring expenses you have coming up throughout the year and sitting down and giving yourself like a good amount of time to actually come up with that list. Cause even when I ask my clients what ones they have throughout the year that they, what expenses they have that they don't pay on a monthly basis. Some of them, a lot of people say none. Uh, some people just give me a few. And as soon as I start asking them more questions, they realize they have way more than they would think of. So just give yourself the, the time to actually think about that. Cause then you can see, okay, how much do I, how much does that cost me a year or how much do I think it will then you can divide it by 12 and see what do you need to be saving on a monthly basis. So when that expense come up, comes along, you don't feel like, boom, you're, 
your expenses are way higher this month than your income and you're putting it on your credit card, you're actually able to pay for it up front. And then there's no accidental spending. And what I mean by accidental spending is spending money. And it's not like you're going and you're going on a shopping spree, but you thinking that the money that's quote unquote left over in your account is, is spending money, but you actually need to be using that for an expense that you have coming up in three or four months. Cause I see that happen a lot. And then my two tips for people who are beginning their financial coaching journey is to absolutely get a mentor, get someone. If you know that you want to do this, take it seriously, just like a brick and mortar would. They have people that they hire to help get their businesses up and going. Have someone that can help you shorten your journey of struggles and frustration. And honestly, personally for me, the Academy has absolutely paid for itself. And if I would have taken it earlier, it would have saved me, not joking, tens of thousands of dollars because I wouldn't have taken other programs that didn't give me a return on my investment versus the Academy that truly did. And then the second thing is to get really clear on who you really want to coach. Like think about if I wake up in the morning and jump out of bed, who would I want to coach? Instead of just thinking about who would pay me for this, think about why do you want to coach them? How will you help them? But who specifically, like what kind of characteristics does that person have? Instead of just thinking, I want to help everyone because the sooner that you realize who you really want to help, the sooner that you will actually have people coming in the door and you actually being able to change lives. Such great tips. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for being here with me today. Um, I think you've, you bring such a great, uh, perspective of, um, you know, there are, there are so many financial coaches that are out there and, and there's always a, a journey, but I think that you have seen many sides of, or both sides of the coin of, you know, you had some financial stuff you had to work through yourself and, and then now you're helping people work through similar stuff uh, as well. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how can they, how can they find out more about you? So you can follow me on Instagram. That is where I do a lot of stuff. So it's at Mandy Thomas and Mandy is with two Y's. You can also find me on my website, which is Mandy Thomas again. And then I also have a Facebook group and it's called confident everyday money. And I would love if the person who is listening to this just send us a message about what your biggest takeaway was or whatever resonated with you the most or whatever you enjoyed the most out of this episode, because I would absolutely love to hear that. And if you sent it, you know, either on Instagram or on Facebook, I would, I would love to hear that. Absolutely. Great. All right, Maddie, thank you so much for joining us and uh, everyone, all of our listeners, thank you so much for, for uh, listening. Hope you got some great tips, whether you are a, uh, you know, looking for some financial insights or looking to become a financial coach. I think this has been a great dual episode. So thank you guys. And uh, we'll talk to you next episode. If you would like more information about our financial coaching programs or how we can help you take the stress out of money, please check out our website at www.fiscalfitnessphx.com. Join our private Facebook group by searching Facebook for Overcoming Financial Stress with Fiscal Fitness. And if you have a passion for personal finance and are interested in helping others take the stress out of money by becoming a financial coach, check out our financial coach training program at www.financialcoachacademy.com and join our free Facebook group by searching Facebook for Financial Coaches Unite. And we'll see you on the next episode of Overcoming Financial Stress with the Saver and the Spender, where we'll help the world take the stress out of money.